Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and this is show 30. I have a very special guest, uh, someone who I've worked with as a practitioner, myself as the patient, uh, the lovely Sharon Mullen, uh, who I discovered, um, actually, I'll let you hear how I discovered Sharon in the show because I do share that story. Uh, so if you're out there listening, the beautiful person who got me in touch with Sharon, Emma, thank you. I love her. Our show supporter this month is the wonderful Etitude Bamboo Lyocell Organic, of course, uh, brand of uh, bed linen. And if you haven't picked up one of these sets of sheets yet, honestly, they are so gorgeous and people are raving about them. So I'm so glad to hear that the um, show supporter offers that I bring you guys are being made use of. It's, uh, you know, bed linen especially is something that can be a bit exy, especially when you want to trade up to something more sustainable. So I want to thank Etitude for being our show supporter and for giving us the wonderful 10% off that we have for the month of March. Please go to the show notes. You've got the code. You've got the link that you have to pop through. Everything's there um, so that you can make the most of this deal. And, of course, in the show notes, you'll also have all the details on today's guest. So they're always worth checking out if you found the show really useful for yourself. Something I love about organic bamboo lyocell is that it uses about a tenth of the resources that cotton uses. So it's very sustainable and Attitude as a brand uses a closed loop water system. So they're using very, very little water compared to the crazy amounts that are often used in the production of linen and textiles of all kinds. So that's a huge plus. But if you want a vanity plus, there's the fact that bamboo being so silky smooth does contribute to excessive hair frizz. I don't know if anyone else lives in Sydney, but this is hair frizz funky town. And if you want to wake up with beautiful smooth hair, then you should give bamboo a go because it's gorgeous. So without further ado, I'm going to kick into today's show. What can I tell you about Sharon? She is a gifted counsellor by trade and has added to her tool belt an incredible therapy that has emerged over the past few years thanks to its creator, David Berselli. And it's a therapy I came across when I was really at a very big low in my own health recovery since last year's operation that I had that seems to have sent me a bit haywire. And I'm still not out of it. I'm still not out of the woods. I will absolutely be sharing any amazing nuggets of uh, recovery wisdom that I have because I know so many people out there are affected by things like surgery who would desperately love answers on how to recover faster and better. So that's something I'm absolutely working towards, not only for my own health, but for everybody out there to have safer processes when they have to undergo surgery as well. So I was at a low and I was really looking for something to help me ease the incredible amount of tension that was running through my body, being so unwell, um, being so sleep deprived and all of the symptoms that came along with that. And TRE was something that I happened upon. And uh, I can't tell you how comfortable this woman made me feel, how brilliant her fabulous Irish sense of humour and her incredible salt of the earth nature is and, uh, and just how 
gifted she is as a practitioner. You know, there are a billion people who would be naturopaths and then there are the really, really amazing gifted ones or the people that you just seem to gel with. And you'll remember back to my episode with Dr. Stephen Sinatra. He's been on the show a couple of times uh, where we talk about gelling with practitioners and Sharon was certainly someone I gelled with from within pretty much the first five minutes. I thought, yep, this is someone I feel completely comfortable with just not only discussing my health but actually partnering with me to try and um, and help me unlock these crazy levels of tension I was experiencing and I'm very pleased to say that things really are not that that chronic anymore. So without further ado, here's Sharon. I know you'll love listening to her as much as I do. It was really wonderful switching from being patient practitioner sort of dynamic, if you like, to actually talking shop and and getting from her brain all the incredible things that she knows about this therapy on a much more technical, nerdy level than one gets when one's a patient. So it's it was a really, really great chat and I know you're going to enjoy it as much as I am. Hello, Sharon. How are you? Good, thank you, Alice. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show because, uh, you know, I'm just going to share a, a, an interesting story before we hook into our chat. I obviously have quite a large audience and admitted to my audience that I had been feeling terrible since a surgery that I had last June on the sleep front and that that had affected me in a few ways. And I was really sorry that people weren't hearing from me as often as I, I wanted to share things and create recipes, etc. And then went to um, the Northern Rivers up into Bangalore, which I go to visit a friend on the first week of January every year. It's a bit of a family tradition. And someone saw my social media post of me being in Bangalore um, by her beautiful pool and put two and two together and realized that I was in the region, that I was feeling terrible and reached out and said, look, I hope you don't think I'm a stalker. But given that you're still feeling really icky, uh, there's this practitioner that I really think you should go and see in Lismore, and that was you, Sharon. So, yeah, I just think it's a beautiful uh, little story to share how the world conspires to help you in times of need, and you've certainly been very helpful to me. So I'm extremely excited to have you on the show. Now, can we start with how you got into to TRE, what TRE is, what it even stands for, because there will be a lot of people who are hearing about this therapy for the very first time. For sure. So to be clear, TRE used to just simply stand for stand for trauma releasing exercises. Uh-huh. So a very simple series of exercises that triggers the, and that word trigger can be changed to all sorts of things for people to suit, but sets in motion, whatever the natural um, mechanism within our body to release tension. Mm. So it comes through as a shake, as a tremor, sometimes as a stretch. Um, it depends. So it's it's the, the connective tissue in our body releasing the tension. So that that's where, you know, we're talking about where it's held. It, um, it has now been added that it's tension and trauma releasing exercises. So people will often hear it referred to as that, but then TRE or TRE, sometimes people call it. So it's very important to be mindful that that's the the, the technique, the therapy, the tremor and the movement itself is natural to the body. Mm. And what's it based on? Like who discovered that this was going to be helpful to humans? Well, it's always been there, but it's interesting yeah. how it's been socialised out. So David Berselli, B-E-R-C-E-L-I, is the creator of TRE, the founder of it, and he worked and lived in war-torn countries for many years, 15, 20 years, and, and noticed how 
people pulled into that fetal position when they heard a loud noise, because obviously he's hearing bombs go off and what have you. And he's noticing this, that everybody did it, regardless of what cultural nationality they were. So as he jokingly said, you know, I don't remember mom saying, David, honey, remember to do this when you hear a loud noise. So he knew it was just a, a natural physical response. It wasn't something that everybody happened to go to the same school and learn. It's so true, right? We see it in the movies, you know, after a really particular traumatic sort of thing, you see someone shaking and tremoring in the corner. Like that's, that's actually quite common. But... Well, that's the other side of it. Cause mm. so, he, so that's the going in is the pulling into the fetal position, the ah, pulling down okay. to protect the internal organs. So that's something that is the going in. And then what he did notice is that small children and animals would tremor after, say, there was an air raid. So they had this particular memory when he was in Africa and he went down into the bunker and every adult grabbed either two children or two animals or a combination of the two. And after the threat had passed, the children and the animals shook and the adults didn't. And when he asked why, they said they don't want the kids to think that they're weak, the children to think that they're weak. So even there in that civilization, civilization, it had been socialized out. So he was seeing the in and the out. So the in he'd seen many, many times. He had an, also had a particular memory of that. I wanted people to hear too in my voice if they're noticing that I'm not completely comfortable. So it's going to be interesting for people to hear that uh, regulation in my voice that I'm going to want people to take note of that I will settle. And the reason I'm saying that now is the tremoring process, the shaking process that I know my body is doing a little bit of now because we're being recorded is me coming into safety, is me coming down out of a fright. Mm. So for me, when it comes to being recorded or coming on stage or whatever, I don't have a problem in the process of being recorded or watched but the buildup is what makes me nervous. So it's very important for people to know now that we're practitioners for my, like myself, we're educating people that when they're tremoring, they're actually coming into safety, not going into the threat. Oh, wow. That's such a great distinction to make. Yeah. Yes. The re body's regulating itself now. My body's regulating itself saying, it's okay now. It's happening. You're in conversation with Alex. So now it's safe. Mm. And so now I'm coming down. So as I continue to talk to you, my full range of voice will come. My full range of mobility will come because the threat has passed. For So for my body patterning, the idea of being recorded is frightening, but being recorded isn't. Yeah, wow. So it's very interesting always to know where is it your tension pattern shows up? Where does it show up? And that's where whatever your history is, is what is being triggered. So that's right. something before went in and um, and made this made this happen. So So David put these two together. So notice the going in and the coming out created the exercises because he also noticed that there was not enough uh, psychologists, psychotherapists, whatever in the world to deal with the number of people who are traumatized. So mm. he these exercises for hundreds of people to do at once. Yeah, right. So this is something you can go to like you can go to a yoga class, for example. Exactly. That was that was eventually the idea in, in wow. the West. Where he was working was he literally just had all people after that he went into to um, places where there'd been earthquakes or, mm. or, you know, there'd been war and just lots and lots of people. The interesting thing for me, though, in that is that he was working with communities that had a very tight knit culture so that if they had 
went on home then and continued to cry or, you know, had continued the effects of the release. They had a very tight culture to look after each other. What I'm noticing is introducing this into the Western culture is that we don't actually have that. So often we will release with a therapist or in a class and then the door closes and we go back into keeping it to ourselves. Mm. So it is an interesting thing to have something that was created uh, in war-torn countries where those cultures, those community systems were very tight and could people looked out for each other an awful lot more than we do here because we're a little bit nervous of, of mental health here in the West. That is a very, very interesting like little aha moment, isn't it, really, to, to realise that having community and community backup when you are trying to heal is essential to the healing itself because if you don't have that, it's, you know, it's like you have your acupuncture, you feel great, you sleep well that night and whatever, and then everything goes back to being terrible the next day. It, like, all gets undone if you don't have that community around you. That's wow. right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's usually, for me now, what's, what's, uh, you're going to ask me a little bit further on, but I'll, I'll just touch on it, that it's very important for me now as a practitioner more and more to see that self-love is the big thing. Yes, we must love ourselves and that all comes internally. But if externally we're constantly under pressure, mm. that's undermining that all the time. So hugely what I'm about is creating safety, which is what people don't tremor unless they're safe. And um, because that's what I was talking about is that the tremor comes when the body's regulating itself back down into being able to be socially engaged, being able to be calm, to having full range mm. of thought, of, of emotion. And so safety is a big issue. So for me, for people to truly heal, it's really important that they're also going home to a loving environment, to a safe environment. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. Wow. Yeah. Because I would imagine some of the people that seek out these exercises and therapists to help guide them through them are people going through all manner of traumas and tensions in their lives. What are some of the key ones you've mentioned? Obviously, the big global disaster kind of situations, earthquakes, war. What other sort of situations is this being used for? Oh, very good question. Across the board, I think the one to be very careful of if we're working from such big events is domestic violence. So mm. if I'm working with somebody who's living in a domestic violence situation, then I have to tread very softly because they're going back into that environment. So it, it has to be that very small changes that they can adjust to happen bit by bit over time. And then so that's something that's a very physical environment, but also affecting the person mentally. Mm. And this thing to note, as we say here now, as we're here now, is to say that trauma is mostly physiological. Yeah. So we know now that we're only 10 percent cognitive. OK, so for to think that it's in our head or whatever is not as relevant anymore. It's actually in our body. Mm. It's logical so that when people say to me, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, do this out of the other, they actually can't. They can't. They, the trauma creates an immobility and then lessens their range of, of capability. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you and I worked on huntsman spiders. I don't have an issue with any other type of spider at all. You know, I could see a funnel web over there in the corner. It really just would not phase me. I'd scoop it up and chuck it outside or squish it or whatever I had to do. But 
huntsman's in relation to two traumatic experiences I had, one with my auntie, one with my grandmother as a little girl, with them completely overreacting and, as you called it in our session, becoming the child in the scenario where I had no, you know, adult guiding the way and saying, there's nothing to worry about here as a very small girl. It was so interesting working on the immobility I felt around that particular creature and to then say the very next day there was one in my house and I was able to just quickly vacuum him up with the cleaner <laughs> and spit him outside, uh, yep. you know, and into the environment he's actually meant to be in because I really don't mind if they're out there in the trees. It's just that I don't love having them in my house. And before it was a complete immobility and now thanks to having worked on it with you, it's not. So, you know, we, we talk about obviously the really big traumas in our lives, but the physiological aspect that you're talking about there is such a huge aspect of trauma in our life compared to cognitive uh, is, is really, like it just goes to show just how many things you could use these exercises for, right? Oh, look, absolutely. And to look at it from a purely, well, we could say, physiological situation where someone has come to me I've got two two clients and one of them's had a, a stroke and the other one had a, an accident where his, his his again his body was mostly affected you would think but of course then we have to allow for the cognitive element of that mm-hmm. so for the the stroke um victim I I wanted to say to him you know it's okay to be really really upset with the fact that you've had a stroke um, and so we're not just concentrating on getting his mobility back but actually for him to really sit with the honesty in that tremor of saying, I absolutely hate that I've had the stroke and that how much this has affected my life and how much stronger his tremor got in that honesty. So coming at it from what appears to be physical and working on the mental and what appears to be mental and working on the physical. Yeah. So it's just really knowing that there is no real, not that I'm aware of, of where the mind and body starts and ends, where just it's all connected. Mm, Absolutely. And so, you know, you you didn't, wake up born to become someone who taught people TRE. How did you find it? Uh, well, I had one of those fabulous childhoods that, you know, when you're an Irish person, awful pe- often people who know might ask the question, how often were you hit, not mm. where you hit. Wow. Okay, because we have one of those cultures and um, and I was hit regularly. Mm-hmm. So I've got all of them. I've got the, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the beatings, the being told how wonderful I wasn't and, and you know, I was tortured with food. I, I just had one of those fabulous childhoods, Alex, really wonderful. And people have often said to me, you need to write a book. I'll say, I'll write a book when I've got a fabulous, happy ending, which I'm nearly there. But I don't think it's fair for anyone to read another miserable book. Um, <laughs> real bless to your heart. Heart. Oh, bless. Um, but that's been my life's journey is to find that happiness. So when I was five, I think, which is pretty amazing. And it does make me realize you're never on your own. There's always someone looking out for you. Then I remember thinking, I've got no examples of happiness here at all. Not in my neighbors, never mind my family at all. But I'm going to find it. I think that's the answer. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's just like Matilda. Yeah, well, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So it was pretty obvious to me that if nothing else, my parents were miserable. It was obvious that they were mean and nasty and violent. But I th- it was the misery that was very, very heavy on me. So uh, so anyway, I went on, blah, blah, lived my life, um, you know, got married, came here to live in Australia. And when the marriage ended, I thought, oh, this is not on the right track. What can I do? So I did my my diploma in counseling, mm. but it was all talk therapy. And I noticed that the more I talked about it, 
not only did I not feel any better, sometimes I felt worse. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Well, because it was all stirred up and then bless their heart, the, the therapist would go or the counselor would go, oh, we'll see you. And there wasn't <laughs> even how you get home, you know, is is the mammy waiting outside for you? Well, I hope she isn't because then I'll be definitely traumatized. But, um, you know, there was no checking who was at home, who was looking after me. How was I going to cope? What were my coping skills? It was just let's drag this story up. And a lot of it was let me figure out where my mother was coming from and my father was coming from. And to be fair, I was a bit, can it be about me? Mm. It's going to be about them for years. Um, but then I was introduced to um, or met a, a, lo- a lovely friend who's still my friend and like a guru to me. She's introduced me to my oils to the tapping, which I started with. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of training around around the tapping. And it was one of my tapping um, teachers, Steve Wells. And, you know, when people often go, I know when where I was when Kennedy was shot. Well, yeah. I know exactly where I was the moment that Steve mentioned TRE. I can tell you exactly what he was wearing. And I just walked towards him and I said, can you tell me more? Wow. My whole body. And that's something I hear a lot from people is that their body chose me. Their body chose TRE. Their body chose to come and have this treatment. And that just proves time again how our body is trying to guide us. You know, it's really, really doing its its best. And so I was very lucky that Richmond Heath, who is the first trainer here in Australia, did a course within weeks probably of me discovering it up in Brisbane. And then David Bruselli, the founder of it, came to Australia to train the following January or February. I'm not sure which it was. Um, and I trained directly with him. So all wow. meant absolutely meant to be. And um, and thank goodness it was David who trained me because of my lovely stories coming out in Tremor meant that it was very important that David was in the room. I don't think anybody else could have handled what came out of me. Wow. So that are, was you, are you able to share a little bit about what that actually presented as? physically sure um mm. so a lot of the the beatings for me and one particular beating was that I was beaten awake and dragged out of bed and so that was all reenacted wow in the in the tremor so my husband when I came home and it was still coming out he went the children can never see this and we're laughing going I know um but I kept associating I kept going into that freeze state and so um, so David, with the person who was working with me, just kept me there, kept me present. And it's a very, very important thing to know now for me, who's completely lived this, that anyone who comes to me knows that I completely have embodied coming out of freeze, mm. being a panic, noticing what the panic feels like and being able to bring myself into present. So I find that I'm uh, very, very, what would you say? honored to be in the company of somebody who panics because I'm able to just be there for them, keep them present and have it that their body is wanting to release that trauma, that tension very fast, which is often what a panic attack is. It's that the body is releasing so fast the mind can't keep up with it. And so we blank out. We The brain goes, yeah, a bit too much for me, thanks. Mm. And so we pass out. So, uh, so it's very, very wonderful for me to have lived that that there's nothing that anyone could present that scares me because I feel like I've lived the worst case scenario of it wow I didn't and it did it didn't scare me so much as I'm going oh this is full on and having the most amazing man David Priscelli just keep me with him because we often want it's funny you know we're talking about general anesthetic at some point but today but you know people wish I think and I understand that they could go under general anesthetic and have all their trauma removed and all their unhappiness and wake up and go oh it's gone <laughs> but have to bear witness to it and so I've lived that I've bear witness to it and so there's it's interesting what still scares me mm. um, at least I've got the skills to deal with it 
which is um, which is good. That's key, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people seek out um, therapies, especially ones that are a bit out of the box, left field, and think, oh, this is going to be the thing that fixes me forever. Um, but I love what you just said that it's not that it goes away. It's just that I actually know how to deal with it now. And this, I, this I, is it. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so that's why it's very important for people to find a practitioner when it comes to TRE, unless they've got an enormous amount of physical and mental resilience, because you just don't know what's going to come up. Mm. You know, our, our body, as I like to say, our body has our true memory and our mind has an Irish version, which is <laughs> never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> That's that is so true. Knowing that and uh, knowing my Irish friends and their ability to uh, embellish, shall we say? Yes, yeah. it's a great. <laughs> Sorry, no offense, Sharon. Not um, at all. Oh, please, <laughs> please, it's a lovely culture to be part of. But you know, I'm aware that it's often yeah, it's long winded. Yeah. So we're talking. This could be like breakups it could be children from a divorce that was really messy um now adults uh, it could be it could be a friend passing it could be anything so how like is it that we tr- we basically convert cognitive trauma things that happen to us where we're there and we're thinking about it and we're seeing it and it's making us sad or terrified or scared or angry and then it becomes a physiological problem like we store it is that what happens? Not not from my understanding. What okay. I understand, and it's great to mention um, the wonderful scientist uh, Stephen Porges, mm. who was the guy who created the polyvagal theory um, yeah. in the 60s and has spent his whole life um, tweaking it, I suppose is the word for it. He's a wonderful man and everything that he does is based on that whole idea of safety. How do we make people safe? Mm. So he introduced to the world of psychology and psychiatry into a science called psychophysiology that we don't just have fight and flight we don't just have a sympathetic nervous system we actually have a parasympathetic nervous system where we are socially engaged or we're freezing or voluntarily uh, being immobile so in a meditation or whatever so when, when you're dissociative that's not a choice that's where you've had a traumatic reaction in your body and the body has decided that it's best for survival that we we freeze so that could be full collapse to just not saying anything. Um, but that realizing that that's what it is and actually making us aware that it's a physiological response. So when we are in, just for example, we're in the company of someone, we're chatting and everything is fine. And then something happens that the body decides we that it needs to go into fight and flight. So this is the thing for people to remember and really I, I'm hoping soothes them when they think, why didn't I say, why didn't I run? Mm. It's a physiological response. It happens automatically. This is all the autonomic system. The earliest part of our brain is kicking in now, the reptilian brain and saying, okay, for us to survive, because we are designed to defend and survive, that it's best for us to go into fight and flight. Yeah. So if the threat then is perceived to be too big to, for us to fight or too fast for us to run away from, then we go into the collapse it's all physical. Right. And that's what you call the freeze. That's what's called the freeze. Yeah. So yeah. we're neurologically designed to collapse from the diaphragm down, which makes sense because that's literally how we pass out. So when I'm working with somebody and there's an awful lot of movement down below, well, that's all the freeze response coming back out again. And I don't want to lose people on this, but to, to be very aware that the thought part of it is that after 
we've had a traumatic experience. And that means we only went as far as freeze and we didn't regulate back out again. So, for example, just to step back, if somebody did use their fight and flight and did run away or did fight the threat, they're often not traumatized because they used up the energy. Mm. So the freeze then puts a lid on that energy. Ah, so me seeing the huntsman and not acting and completely freezing because I'm paralyzed by fear is not therapeutic in any way to remove myself from that situation. What would be better is to do the fight, which is the scoop up in the vacuum cleaner and and eject it outside. So that's almost the therapy that moves you into actually that not being a huge problem to see one anymore. Well, this is it if you can. Yes. But if you've you had a historical response, so that so you when you saw the huntsman, your body went straight into the oh, here we go, we already have this. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and so, no, we, we were the last time this happened, we got caught in freeze. So you, mm. so the release, so through the through the tremor, through the shaking, it's releasing that lid. Yes. Taking off the, the freeze response, bringing us back into mobilization because fight and flight is mobilization and freeze is immobilization. Yes. So moving us from immobile to mobile, which is there's the tremor all coming out that was all dressed up and nowhere to go. And then we return we return to socially engaged. So mm. if you're looking at somebody who's got post-traumatic stress, they live in fight and flight and freeze. Yeah. And they'd very seldom come back down into into uh, socially engaged. Unless they're given the tools, right? Well, this is if, if, if it's released, if the um, exactly that, the, if the freeze is, is released yeah. and then have the ability to, to, to let out the fight and flight and then they go back into socially engaged. That's absolutely right. Amazing. And so can you just share with us how a TRE session normally plays out? Yes. So I will talk to the person and and find out what is their story enough to say, okay, that's what we'll we'll look at today. Mm. So um, and then I'll find out a little bit about their their physical capacity. So what's going on for them um, if they've had any injuries or they've got any um, immobility issues. Mm hmm. So so that it's very important that they take care of themselves, because a lot of clients who come to me can just have issues around not taking care of themselves. Wow. Okay. Okay. Mm. So that they have ended up in poor relationships, poor, poor work experiences, and they just um, don't know how to, um, to take care of themselves. So, so very important then in teaching them the exercises is to take care of themselves in the exercises. Mm. That they're gentle. They're designed to make you tired. They're not designed to get you fit. Yeah. Okay. Right. But I'm watching all the time just how stoic people are. Are mm. they pushing through? Is that what their face is telling me? So once I have a little bit of the story and I know all about them, and the big thing is we're building rapport all the time because remember people don't tremor if they're they're not safe. So then we'll do the exercises in as much as they're able to, and then we get the tremor going. So I've only had one person not be able to tremor uh, very much at all, and they were a bodybuilder. So they just were <laughs> enjoyed being completely tense. That was their game. Oh, wow. So, That's interesting. So physiologically just too tough um, to let anything through. But everybody else, and I, I don't know, I might be up to about 500 people or so that I've taught. So then they're away. And then it's interesting you ask me this because I'm more and more aware about going in what I call either the happy door or the unhappy door or the, the good or the bad door. It doesn't really matter what it is. So for some people, their trauma is so severe that they'll go back into the freeze response if we talk about it. Right. So I don't. So I'll do that and I'll say, um, so what if, what, if, what if we just, you know, if I even just suggested blah, blah, blah. 
and mm. the tremor stops. So I go, so just to let you know, it's not your imagination, just how much is this has affected you. And they go, why do I feel nothing? Because it's too scary. That's why we're designed ah. cleverly to not have to overfeel something again. Okay, so so then I'll I'll say okay. So you're going in the happy door person, and they go okay. So we'll just talk about other things. Yeah. What do you love in your life? And the tremor comes back in, and the tremor is doing the physiological work of releasing tension and trauma and stress out of the body. And tension is a great word for me because if tension is there, then we're not getting electrics through blood flow, airflow into the body for it to mobilize, for it to be functioning, for it to be communicating with itself. Yeah, and that's certainly something I experienced. I tremored like a maniac on a couple of occasions in our sessions and and it's so true what you say. If you're not quite ready to face a certain thing or discuss something, then, yeah, your body sort of blocks off from it and you have yeah. an incredible way, which is I think where counselling is just such an incredible partner to this set of exercises because – you know, you've just got that knowledge of how to get around the little back doors and get in in other ways eventually in sessions further down where it starts to feel safe to go there. And I just think that's, yeah, exactly. So it's just a bit of a dance. So we'll just do that. And then the thing is to bring in here now, which is great, is, well, where does this 10% of cognitive come in? So if if we are traumatised and we're we're caught in this loop of our system is traumatized and it's sending through the vagus nerve, which is all part of this polyvagal theory, and I'm studying it and loving it, but I won't pretend to be in any way an expert. But talk to me again in 25 million years and I might be. This is just <laughs> the most amazingly complicated system, but I love it. But anyway, is that it's sending a message to the to the brain. All is not well. Stay on alert. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't matter what door we go in as long as we're reducing that message. So we're calming the nervous system down. So please, for everybody who's wondering, is this for me or is this not for me? Mm. Um, a few people have come to my classes and said, this is not for me. And that's really cool. That's absolutely fine. But calming your nervous system is for everybody. Yes. So it doesn't really matter what uh, you're working on, even if somebody comes to me with epilepsy or Parkinson's, which is a different tremor triggered by a different part of the brain. I'm sure they could do with having their nervous system calmed because of the fact that they have to deal with being an epileptic or having Parkinson's. So so that's what it always is. So my job is to calm the nervous system down. So no matter what I'm doing. So even if somebody has, we have gone in the unhappy door and they're very distressed and they're, you know, the body's tremoring full on. I will make them laugh because that's when the diaphragm will release. And when the diaphragm release and it comes through the system, Oh, you people are making all sorts of sounds and sobbing like that great part of the cry. It doesn't matter. I just need to keep reducing the tension in the body so that the nervous system relaxes. And the message to the brain then is, oh, oh, can we rewire now so that we don't have to deal with that level of constant uh, what we call hyper arousal? Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely a situation I was in. I know I was so hyper aroused. I felt like I had an electrical charge going through my body at all times post-surgery. And that was just so helpful to my recovery, even though in my case, obviously, I still needed a few, you know, naturopathic supplements and things to, to yes. help. It's definitely just, I mean, on the days following a TRE session, there would always just be so much relief. And I was just, I, I, I'm still amazed by how much tension we carry in our bodies without even realizing it about things that happened like 30 years ago that, you know, you just did not realize were a big issue for you, maybe as a small child, but 
suddenly it comes up in a session and you're like, oh my goodness. And like you said before, right at the start, you're not just bringing it up and then having to hang on to that heaviness. The very fact that you're then tremoring through it means you're dealing with it. You're actually releasing it. Yeah, I'm absolutely fascinated, but, you know, equally nerded out on the scientific aspect of just how much of our trauma is physiological. It is. And the thing to, to know when you say, you know, things coming up 30 years later, because, well, I'm sure we're all aware that we're the one creature on the planet that requires an enormous amount of parenting. <laughs> and and for the first two years of our life, I mean, it's not an awful lot we can do on our own. And so we're very, very reliant on our caregiver. Yeah. And we know to even further back that the, the person who's making us and even, you know, both parents who've ma- made us, both people who've made us have contributed to how we are made up. So, you know, I had a client once just drop when she when I first met her that her father was a Vietnam vet. Oh, so wow. A stress person made you, darling. And I would mm. imagine that your mother wasn't thrilled either with how your father came home. And mm. we laughed and she said, why does that? Is that an issue? And I said, well, if your father had heart disease, you'd know that that was a chance that you could also have it. A distressed person makes a distressed person. Yeah. Because we know now how connected it all is and that if trauma is physiological and you've got a physiological tension pattern when you're making a baby and that chemistry is running around in your body, then that chemistry has been passed down the line. The wonderful thing, if anybody is listening to this and going, oh, no, I was so distressed when I was pregnant. Please know the big thing of all of this, that I'm not going to use the word healed, healable, curable or whatever, recoverable, but all trauma has the capacity to be transformed into something more useful. I love that. That is absolutely the truth. Yes. Mm. So it's not about curing it. It's a very natural response that we have. So I will never call post-traumatic stress a disorder. I don't add the D on the end because it's not a disorder. It's, It's to me, your body's doing what it does. That's what a very natural response considering what happened. So, so now that that's a natural response, but it's only half the journey. Let's continue the journey and have that unuseful, sometimes harmful energy in your body actually sent out out of you to be more useful elsewhere and for your body to function better. And then the, the capacity then we have to be compassionate is enormous because we've had to be compassionate to ourselves in the process. So Stephen Porges again, who I just love, he talks about worthiness and um, deserving and compassion and all these as psychological concepts because we can want to be feeling worthy and we can want to to you know forgive and and feel deserving and compassionate but we're in the company of someone who triggers our history suddenly we're not feeling very forgiving not at all compassionate in fact in some cases you want to kill that person um and you go where does it go because yeah. physiologically we're we're reacting to that person so having that wonderful idea of over my life now and, and it's been sometimes much harder than i would have ever imagined this journey of releasing this trauma out of my body is that i I'm so aware now of my actual ability to be more active in my life, proactive than just reactive Mm. conversations. I'm thinking, I don't even know who spoke to that person. I just snapped back at them for 10 minutes. (laughs) Who was that person? And then I've got more regret and more things to to tremor out of me. Whereas, you know, now looking at my two children, one is almost 10 and the other is 11, you know, she's just started high school and had the capacity from tremoring most of her life already to turn around to the cool kids who wanted her to come and have lunch with them and said, no, I've got my own friends. Thanks. Oh, wow. Amazing. 
No drama. No, she just had full capacity, full range to use her body and her mind to answer the way that she wanted to. That's incredible. And I think anyone out there listening right now is going, gosh, I so do that. Like two weeks later, I think of the right thing to have said or why did I say yes to that thing? And it's been eating me up inside ever since. And it's just so true. So the idea that these exercises become a part of our vocab in dealing with trauma, stress, tension, or even simply functioning better is really what's at play here rather than saying, oh, now that I've had TRE, I'm not going to be traumatised by things anymore. Oh, look, that's exactly right. Is there a chance when you become a clean slate? I would say that, you know, there's a chance you can get rid of most of your your history and be present. But it's interesting what catches us off guard. We don't know. We don't know how much we're carrying. I don't know if much of, you know, my mother's life was was in mind to be getting rid of. It all depends on your belief system, too. You know, your continuing choices, how much you watch the news, how much you listen to other people's stories, what kind of job you're in, where you're constantly being put under pressure. It's just interesting. I'm certainly in, in this place in my life now where I've reduced so much of the um, tension out of my body that when it's like something fairly traumatic has happened recently, my tolerance level is just not there, which sounds terrible, but it's actually fantastic. I'm going, no, no, I don't tolerate that anymore. I haven't got it in me. Oh, so you're not saying tolerance as in I can't handle it. You're saying tolerance as in I won't be ha- no, be taking not, that on. Not. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm not doing that. No, no, life has got to become easier. Oh, my goodness, I'm going backwards. Yeah. Um, so it's got to become come easier. So my filtering system now is, oh, my body's going, oh, no, 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 that'll wear me out. Okay, grand, we're not doing it. So it's it's really, really important to be aware of you don't know what life's going to throw you, but having the ability to see, and, and you're saying including these exercises in our life, but for me now, I don't do the exercises very much anymore, very rarely. Wow, tr- okay. Lie down and I tremor. Mm. And depending on whose company I'm in, I'm just tremoring in front of them and they think, I, I know it's a compliment, Jazz, but really, <laughs> I really enjoy the fact that you're having some kind of fist in front of me. Do you mind? You know? <laughs> and my Reiki um, teacher who I go to, he says, oh, we're fitting again, dear. Oh, how lovely. Um, so, you know, and, and if people say to me, if they're giving me a massage or whatever, and they say, what is that? Why are you doing it? All I say is it's just a compliment to you. And I don't begin to explain it because I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to start explaining the tremor mechanism while I'm having a massage. Please just give me a massage. But it is. It's that compliment that I've obviously gotten into a relaxed enough state to be able to be myself and, and continue to release and regulate my system. Yeah. Um, now, cool. Yeah, it is super cool, isn't it? And I find um, I'll tremor on an acupuncture table now while I'm sort of lying there and looking there at the you go. my little chest will just start going. I'll be like, oh, okay, all right, let's let's see what this is about. And often I'll be able to relate it to the system of the body that the acupuncturist has worked on that day. Brilliant. Which is Brilliant. just amazing. Our little bodies are doing all these things. If we let them, if we open up the door to that kind of healing, Um, beyond our consciousness that really just blows my mind and it is interesting you've got two things going on there you have a huge amount of willingness which there's no point in working with anyone unless they do Mm. okay they've got a they don't necessarily have to have an enormous amount of courage but a willingness to give it a go yeah okay so that has to be there they've got to have that willingness and then your amount of knowledge is wonderful and I find that people like yourselves that I work with they bring everything together And that's what's great about doing TRE or tremoring is that you can do it with anything. So if anyone says, oh, is it okay for me to have blah, blah, blah treatment? Do whatever you normally do. This is all about finding a relaxation, a comfort, 
within yourself to know, all right, taking care of myself is actually, you know, in my control. Mm. The body when you're making appointments or making decisions to actually listen to the body and it'll say, yes, that's a good one or no, not such a good idea. I mean, I had the funniest experience. It wasn't really funny at the time, but it's funny telling you that I, I had this voucher for this store and I could hardly ever get there. And when I got there, I had about 15 minutes. So I bought something I wouldn't wear. Don't ask me why. But, you know, I was a bit distressed. Everything was lined up. My body was screaming at me. I went into a full sweat as I was paying for it. And a little voice in my head was going, you're never going to wear it. What are you doing? You're never going to wear it. Why? 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 And when I got home and I put it on, I thought, oh, far out. That's what my body was trying to scream at me as I was paying it. Don't buy this. Yeah. And when I went back, the woman couldn't have been lovelier. She, we laughed about it. But, you know, there it was. And even me and all my experience, I ignored it because I was distressed. I didn't have full mental and physical capacity. Right. So you were you were in some sort of en route to freeze. Yeah, I was. Mm. I was. And I was coming back out of it as I was paying for the dress and I ignored it. Mm. But like that wasn't anything that wasn't irreversible. Um, and that's the thing, though, that I find is that even if I've behaved badly and I watch that regress sit in my body, I go, oh, but that's all right. I'll reduce it out of my body and then I'll have the wherewithal to go and talk to that person because I won't have the fear. Yeah. And because fear and curiosity live in the same part of the brain. So, you know, we can't be both. Yeah. Or, can, you know, so we need to be it's either or. So if you're and curiosity is often what people with post-traumatic stress of any kind don't have. Yes, of course, because they, they're just so frozen in the fear. That's it. Mm. And then you can be curious about, I wonder if that's a person's a good choice as a partner. Is that a job a good choice? Or what will I eat this afternoon? You know, it's all those things that, that, that curiosity is, I wonder what my body's telling me. Does that, mm. So, you know, from even that child I talked about, my, my daughter, she's got a lot of allergies. So she just holds various foods in her hands or holds the packaging and her body will tell her whether she can eat it or not. Wow. I've taught her that from when she was very young. And I get so many compliments how, how comfortable she is in her own skin. And uh, I just want to think you should have met her when she was a very young child. She really wasn't. And that's the lovely thing is that she's going to go on into adulthood, not as somebody who never gets anxious. She still gets anxious. But man, is she loaded with tools. You yeah, know? that's it. You know, we can't avoid anxiety. It's it's I believe it's a natural part of life. But tools are what, you know, separate an anxious person who stays in the anxiety uh, from someone who's able to release themselves from it, at least for a little while. <laughs> and the other thing to be very mindful of is because I knew, didn't believe it or wonder, I knew to my bone marrow that my parents didn't love me, like me, nor want me to be there. And mm. that's an awful legacy to carry through into as an adult. And never Gosh. do I want anyone to feel that way. So my daughter knows she's loved. So she's got the fabulous mixture of that external safety, that she's got the adult there. And by no means do I ever pretend to be perfect. That's all part of my parenting is I'm very, very honest in if I'm struggling or I'm not. Mm. And, um, you know, and and you can imagine my Irish culture allows for a little bit of colourful language. And, you know, we all just <laughs> need to work it out. And she's got these skills to work internally. And sometimes those skills and that love come together in that I'll say to them, I'm not a punch bag and you know what I do for a living. So you have absolutely no allowance in this house to just offload. So they, they'll come in the door and they'll grab a hold of me and say, I've absolutely had a lousy day, mom. And lousy may be varied on, depending on how they're feeling. And they'll just lie into me and they'll just, you know, say, can I have permission to swear? And can I really go off about my day? Go for your life. Mm. 
And so there's that love that they knew that they can be themselves. And then the skills of knowing that if I do this cleverly and talk about my day and release it and tap or tremor or breathe through my nose is a biggie. Just breathe through your nose. It calms your nervous system down. And then they're going, oh, good now, which Mm. is absolutely fantastic. And so that's really for me now is a massive combination. And I would love to work more with young people to really search in life for those safe environments and not just have it as I was taught, which life is hard. Mm. Nobody's going to love you. Uh, thanks very much, ma'am. That's a lovely badge that I carry. Yeah. But um, it's it's really very important for us not to just think that it's all about self-love. It's really OK to search for people and places where we feel we can also be ourselves. Absolutely. And I think for anyone with, you know, their biological family not being that safety and that love, you know, the biological family is just one form of family we can find in our lifetimes and we can absolutely seek out our friends, you know, and that is a very conscious choice we can make to surround ourselves with loving people in in many other areas of our lives to to make up for the shortfall, basically. I mean, that's... Oh, and this is it. And the thing yeah. is, is people who would not have a clue whether their parents loved them or didn't because they died maybe in a war zone. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not necessarily. And, and something to be very mindful here is that uh, in as much as my childhood appeared to be awful, it was very obviously abusive. Yeah. And it was obvious that I didn't know how to be. The more difficult people for me to deal with are not people with stories like mine. They're the people who there was just enough for them to question why ah, they're next. Okay. And so it's, and that's a very interesting thing for me is regardless of the fact that it'd be very easy to give my parents a hard time. It's actually not about them. It's about the reaction I had to them Yes. and, and to the whole situation. So if somebody comes to me and says, why would I feel so insecure? You know, my mom's lovely. I mean, she's, she's still, you know, a bit of a flake and I have to look out for her. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. There it is. Yeah. So can I guess maybe that you feel you parented your mom? Oh, yeah, but is that bad? Well, that's why you feel anxious, because you didn't have that parent. Mm. You had to grow up physiologically too quickly. So the two biggies in in trauma that happen in childhood are neglect and when you have to parent your parents. Yes, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So it might be that you say, okay, so when it comes to picking a partner, I know I don't want, want one that hits me. Right. Great. So what do I want? And that's where it shows up. The Mm. neglect, not knowing how to make good choices, how to filter, how to attract um, and look for healthy choices because we haven't seen them. It's terrible for us to to really, for a lot of people, it was a bit of a shock to me to realize we're only as good as what we've shown. Everything's taught. Yeah. So we don't just naturally have a bad childhood and go, yay, I'm not going to do that. What does that mean? Um, so that's the thing is by following the body and noticing where am I tense? What do I feel like when I think of that? We get to know ourselves through this amazing practice of and technique and, and system of finding out about the body. What happens to it when I think certain things, when I say certain things? For some people, they want, cannot say the words I ask them to say. And we go, isn't that interesting? You literally can't get the words out of your mouth. It's that frightening for you to say it or it's that untrue. Mm. In the process, they get to know themselves and they're actually so my two rules as a therapist are observation and kindness. Kindness isn't looked at at all with people who are very much struggling um, with with self-esteem. But observing. Oh, I notice how I notice how I react to that person now. 
I notice that I get that tightness in my stomach. So they're starting to get to know themselves. Oh, and when I feel that that I used to have a drink or eat the chocolate and and now I notice I want to have a bath. Oh, so bath is a nice option. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. So this is where the kindness come in. And then they say, oh, kindness is the bath. And so you see how the choices start to build for somebody who's got no idea of how Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. It's so similar with food. A lot of people think that food is the only food for the soul. And they're trapped inside this food is going to be my comfort. It's going to be my pick me up when I'm down. It's going to be my answer to boredom. But there's walking, there's hugging, there's going to see a movie, there's catching up with an old friend for a coffee or a gym session. There are so many other foods for our soul. And, um, yeah, the broadening of the vocab is just so important for all of us, I think, rather than food and alcohol (laughs) and smoking or drugs or, you know. Yeah. And they're all, you know, they're all options. Yeah. Um, but it's just finding that there are others and that there are others that have a, a, a only a positive effect. Yeah, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And so that and so that it continues. And that's the wonderful thing thing about it. But it is it is miraculous to some people. Um, and they have amazing life changes. And, and, and in one particular case, I'm happy to talk about it, if you like, it was a bit like a child. So I work with children. They go, I'm good now. And they walk away, whereas adults will be, wow, what just happened there? And they really want to go through it and dissect it and, you know, be the detective yeah. and write a book about it. And kids are like, I'm fine. But, you know, for, for, for a lot of people, it's just an, on, an ongoing thing. But it is very, very, very possible. And I love being an example of it. It's possible to be free of your history. It's not a life sentence. Wow. I mean, I think that is a very powerful thing to say. It is possible to be free of your history. Ah, oh, that's that's huge, and I know that'll be huge for a lot of people listening. I got goosebumps, and I said it. Ah, oh, no, I got goosebumps when I heard it, and then I had to say it, and then I got goosebumps. So it was it was a very goosebumpy it was. moment. Uh, free from your history, and and so many little bits of our history we don't feel free from. We feel that they continue to dictate the choices we make today. So, you know, the the fact that there's an a, 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 something that can help us become free from those little things is just incredible. Is is it easy for people to find a therapy near them? I don't know how many practitioners there are out there, but it is all on this the site TRE Australia. Ah, okay, great. And there's some sort of directory there for people. There is. It's very obvious on the front screen, and it just says find find a therapist. And I'll hunt down one for the US and Europe as well. I'd imagine there would be one um, for those. Yes, two. and so I think it's called Trauma Prevention. Is the the name of the website for the US. Ah, great. Um, but even if you just put in TRE plus America, of course, it'll come up. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's global training now so that across the board, people will have the same training. Um, to to my administrative nightmare, I'm, I'm good at lots of things, but I'm not very good at admin. They've changed how you, you um, put up your, um, your advertising. So I'm actually not on the Australian site at the moment, but, you know, Sharon Mullen's easy enough to find me. Yeah. My website is just Sharon Mullen. Yeah, I wish I really do. So for anyone listening in at all, please, more people need to train. Mm, okay. You need to do it because I think once it catches on and people think, wow, for it to become part of my life that as it is for me and my family, that we just naturally tremor. 
And my children don't. I don't say, oh, let's do this once a week. As I said to you, I'm administratively not up to that kind of stuff. <laughs> but they just know that it'll happen, that they might sometimes just get a bit of an upset tummy and then they just completely tremor from head to toe. Wow. And everything is cleaning out of the system without being too graphic. And and they laugh, you know, and, and then they just feel better for it. So for them, it's not something, especially the older one, it's not something she says, oh, I, I feel like doing a tremor. She just waits until it builds up and then the system naturally knows to start kicking it out, um, which is very, very cool. The younger one uh, holds on to things a little bit more and that's fine. She'll get there. It can't be forced. You can't make someone tremor, of course, because they need to be safe. Um, mm. So it's one of those things. And it, it's something that I'm for people, please, who are listening, who say, oh, yeah, my mom needs to do that or my sister. When you hear yourself say that, say to yourself, oh, hang on. Yes, I do love that person. But I wonder if maybe I did it first and sold it to them as to what the effect that it can have. Yes. Sometimes when we think that person needs to do it, we're actually the one with the problem. Yeah. Wow. OK. And that's something that David absolutely rammed home. He said, please don't go out and sell this. Just go out and do it, will you? So I was five years practicing it on myself before I taught anyone else. Oh, wow. OK. I just, it was fair that I was still dealing with the level of trauma that was coming out of me before I and also, too, I knew that if there was a chance that if someone came into the room that triggered my history, well, I wasn't there for them anymore. I was caught up in myself. Yes. Whereas now, almost 10 years on, it doesn't matter what comes into the room. I don't react to anybody. Isn't that amazing? Gosh, Sharon, what an incredible chat. I think uh, there was just so much that came out of that, even for people who've never tremored before uh, in, in terms of just having a think about our own lives and how our past might have affected our present and is affecting our future choices, which is a really interesting thought and, and possibly terrifying for people thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm making these huge decisions and they're possibly based on traumas of the past. And it's just an incredible thing to know for everyone out there who perhaps has difficulty just talking about issues of the past, that the idea of physically releasing them through these exercises is something that's potentially really going to create some big shifts for people. So thank you so much for joining us. It was an awesome, awesome look into this uh, wonderful, wonderful tool. Thank you, Alex. My absolute pleasure. And if it's, it'll be people's bodies that'll respond to this and think, I think that's for me. Oh, it'll be, I feel that's for me, really. But that's the wording we use. Yeah, amazing. Okay, you have a great day. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.